The stories contained in this podcast are the recollections of the guests we've invited onto the show. We are an outlet for people to share their truths, and we accept no legal responsibilities for the stories contained herein. I'm Kendra Sheets. And I'm Rich Gill. And this is Enough, a podcast that aims to shine light into the darkened corners of the music industry while discussing the ways we can and should improve ourselves and in turn our community. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Subtext, our information-based subset of the Enough podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kendra Sheets. I'm your other host, Rich Gill. And the guest on our last episode, Jason Garcia, touched on a subject that we had not yet addressed, and we thought that we should spend some time and dive into today. Jason stated that they had received a number of attacks via social media or just on the internet. And now if you're like me, young and youthful forever and ever... You were introduced to this dark side of the internet, probably in your teens. And if you were, say, of an older persuasion, like Rich, you may not have had to deal with it until you were a full-on adult. Either way, online harassment or cyberbullying is something that a lot of us have had to experience in our lives one way or another. And it's only seemingly getting worse. The majority of the information we're going to be talking about today is taken from two main sources cyberbullying.org, and also the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. Almost everything you're going to hear, as well as uh, additional resources that can be helpful if you've experienced online harassment in one of its many forms, can be found on these websites, which we will share with the episode. We're going to start with defining a few of the common terms. Let's start with cyberbullying. What exactly is it? If anyone is able to define that term properly, it would be cyberbullying.org, who says it's, quote, bullying that takes place over digital devices like cell phones, computers, and tablets, end quote. So that's simple enough. It can occur through text or social media platforms, you know, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, all those. Online forums like Reddit, which is a place I refuse to go because I'm scared. And also through video games. Another place I refuse to go, video games. Video games and Reddit. Yeah, you and I both. <laughs> Uh, it can include the sending, posting, or sharing of negative, harmful, or just all-around mean shit about someone. It can also include sharing personal or private information about someone else, causing them some form of humiliation or embarrassment. And it also can include the old classic, just making up stories about someone to damage their reputation. You know, super high school shit. And I'm already having high school flashbacks. Great. Me too. Oh my god, we've only just started. High school, that was like 1971 for you. It was the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Feels like the 70s. <laughs> so cyberbullying can even cross into unlawful or criminal behavior. A good example of this is doxing. Uh, this is something that's gained popularity over like the last, I don't know, like five to eight years or something with the, uh, the rise of online harassment. Basically, it's used as a revenge tactic, which threatens and actually can destroy the privacy of people by making their personal information public. This could be posting addresses, your social security number, credit card or phone numbers, social media account information, private data, just really anything across the board. And while doxing itself is not actually illegal, it could contribute to criminal offenses like harassment or stalking or identity theft. They get your address, they show up at your house, you got a stalking charge. So all that said, let's get a little more specific about this and apply it to uh this podcast itself, which is to concentrate on sexual harassment or abuse. Online sexual abuse can be any type of sexual harassment, exploitation, or abuse that takes place through the internet, social media, email, etc. 
Some examples can be sending someone unwelcome communication about sex, such as nude pics. Almost every woman has an unsolicited dick pic story. Raising my hand. Everyone around the world who's listening to this is raising their hand. Sending partners, friends, acquaintances, or just straight up strangers unwanted requests for nude photos or videos or to live stream sexual acts. And, of course, sharing private images or videos without the consent of everyone involved. This is also known as revenge porn, which as of April 2023 is illegal in 48 states plus Washington, D.C. The two holdouts for some reason are Massachusetts and South Carolina. So uh, Massachusetts and South Carolina, get your shit together. Come on. What the hell? Another example that pertains to victims slash survivors is one that we brought up here before on the podcast, and that's DARVO. Just kind of as a refresher for everyone, that's an acronym. It stands for Deny, Attack, and Reverse Victim and Offender. This is a popular tactic of people who have been accused of sexual assault and of their defenders. The offenders will change it around and say that they are, in fact, the victims in the situation, or they place blame on the victim slash survivor saying that they were drunk or on drugs or are just lying for, you know, insert a plethora of reasons here. When it comes to artists or people who have a fan base, their supporters will repeat those claims online and then harass the victims and or survivors. And you can see this in Amber Heard's situation, Evan Rachel Wood. Unfortunately, they're two really great examples of this Darvo behavior. Now, let's talk hard data, because I'm sure there are people out there who don't think this is a big deal. Bullying's been around forever. It's always going to be there. I went through it. So, you know, who cares? It makes your kid tough. Exactly. Yeah. Bullshit like that. There are two sources of federally collected data when it comes to the frequency of youth bullying. There is the 2019 School Crime Supplement to the National Crime Victimization Survey from the National Center for Education Statistics and Bureau of Justice indicates that nationwide, about 16% of students in grades 9 through 12 experience cyberbullying. The 2019 Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance System from the CDC indicates that an estimated 15.7% of high school students were electronically bullied in the 12 months prior to the survey. Now, 15.7% and 16% may not seem like a lot. But when you take into account a 2017 Pew Research Center survey on online harassment, it says 41% of Americans have been personally subjected to harassing behavior online, and 66% have witnessed these behaviors directed at others. Take into account those numbers, you can kind of see how prevalent this really is. It's everywhere. Everyone has experienced it in some way. I also feel like 2017 was a really long time ago and people have gotten a lot shittier since then. So I think those numbers would probably be a lot higher. And I don't know a lot of people who haven't witnessed online bullying in some form, especially after like the recent political cycle in America, at least. (laughs) Yeah, totally. There's that. And also, you know, everyone lived inside over the past few years. So and we're scared and angry. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure. You get some updated, uh, you do some updated surveys with that stuff, and those numbers are going to be quite a bit higher. They'll be like, we don't even need to do a survey. The number's 100%. It's 100% <laughs> across the board for all yeah. instances. The end. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's the episode. Bye, everybody. <laughs> that old adage of the internet or social media isn't real life has not applied to our lives in some time. 
real life takes place online now. And so much, as Rich had mentioned, of it was spent online during the pandemic. It was almost the only place where we were really living for a period of time. Online's where we get and share information, including news. It's where we do our shopping. It's where we stay in contact with friends and family. It's basically impossible to avoid using the internet to log on to email or, you know, be involved in social media in some way for work, for school, for personal reasons on a daily basis. It's really hard to not utilize those things unless you're my mom who like just got a smartphone and still barely uses it. But because we can't escape the internet, people who have dealt with online harassment are forced to deal with the kind of anxiety and stress that it could cause anytime they activate these regular activities, right? They, they log on to Facebook. They're scared that, you know, Heather going to have to deal with this again. They check their email. You get 15 emails from unknown sources. What could they say inside? That spikes your anxiety instantaneously. I know I've dealt with it before, too. Or it's same. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys are like long-term listeners, you've definitely heard us bitch about it before. So like, same. <laughs> so this anxiety can cause issues at school and at work. And if the harassment continues, it can actually lead to a decreased well-being overall, depression, suicide ideation, and even suicidal attempts. And just like in, you know, quote unquote, real life, people from historically oppressed communities are actually more likely to be harassed online. And that harassment is likely to be more severe. Online harassment mirrors the inequities that we see elsewhere in society, including racism, sexism, transphobia, homophobia ableisms, just hate speech in general, just across the board. Plus, it's coming from behind a screen. And we all know that if you're behind a screen instead of face to face, there are those people who are just they get this inflated sense of safety and they say things or type things rather that they would never say face to face. Sometimes I wish they would. Because they're babies. There are some major differences between online harassment and harassment people experience in the real world, the quote unquote real world. Kendra talked a little bit about that just a second ago, but to go a little more in depth into it, for one thing, it's persistent. It's always happening. Digital devices offer an ability to immediately and continuously communicate 24 hours a day. So it can be difficult for people experiencing cyberbullying to find relief. The internet never shuts off for the night. It's not like when you're in school and you got picked on, at least, you know, you got that few hours at night, you know, and then before school the next day where you didn't have to worry about it. That's not the case anymore. Or that sweet, sweet time where your mom actually believes you might be sick, so you might not have to go in that day to face the person who's super fucking cruel to you and made up a bunch of rumors about things that never happened. I don't know what. Nothing. Never mind. Are you talking about... Oh, wait, is that is that about me or you? It's Oh, oh. both of us went through that? Oh, oh okay. both? Oh, 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 okay, great. So wait, I mean, well, we... hmm. Another difference is that it's permanent. Um, most information communicated electronically is public, and it doesn't go away unless it's reported and removed. And as someone who can speak from personal experience trying to do that, good fucking luck. It's really hard to get stuff uh, removed from the internet, especially... Twitter, which is a fucking nightmare. We've all seen how prevalent hate and victim blaming has become on Twitter lately. It's a fucking cesspool. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you're still on it. Whereas I bailed a long time ago. I know, totally. I, I can't wait to ditch it. And even if stuff is removed, screenshots are forever. Also, victims of online harassment often have little recourse. Due to the anonymity of the internet, 
Many victims have no idea who is behind the harassment, and they also have few avenues to make it stop, even if they do know the person causing it. And bringing it back to forms of online sexual abuse, just because it's taking place behind a screen does not make that impact any less real to the victim. While some of these behaviors are crimes, particularly any that involve sexual abuse of children, others are just as harmful. Additionally, as images of those abused could be shared and circulated again, there is an added level of re-victimization. As Rich was saying, things don't get removed. Things are screenshotted. They can be shared over and over again. It's not the same as, you know, your high school BS where someone whispers to someone and a note gets passed. Just logging off is not an effective solution. And pushing the victim or survivor to no longer participate in online spaces so they can avoid being harassed is really just a form of victim blaming. Rather than expecting victims to change their behavior and limit their online presence, we should be addressing the root causes of online harassment by taking the issue seriously and holding people who commit online harassment accountable. The main thing we talk about on the podcast. Always comes back to that. Accountability. It's almost like we're asking for something from Maybe. people? I don't know. Ooh, that's a tough one. Hmm. So a lot of this has been big bummer to talk about. So let's maybe turn it around a second and let's talk about some ways that we can help people who have experienced online harassment. A big thing is just creating trauma-informed spaces. Being trauma-informed means taking into consideration a person's experience of trauma and their reactions to it. Um, it's something you can do in everyday life, but we can create trauma-informed online spaces in a couple different ways. A very easy way to do that in today's world of Zoom meetings and are people still doing Zoom happy hours? That was a big thing for a minute. I passed out during a Zoom happy hour before I stopped drinking. <laughs> like on the computer, like on the screen. Well, that's out there forever now, Kendra, because it doesn't disappear. Three years, May 31st. <laughs> hey, good job. Congrats. Thank you. <laughs> So one way to do that in these in this world of Zoom meetings is giving people choices about how they engage. For example, not requiring everyone to turn their video cameras on during meetings. Another example is making it clear if and how information shared in the space will be shared outside the space. One of your community agreements in anything that you do could be around not repeating other people's personal stories that are shared within the space so that all participants feel comfortable. What happens in Zoom stays in Zoom. Oh, we got Vegas rules on the internet now? All right. And when it comes to things like sexting or sending nude photos or connecting for in-person sex, digital consent is a baseline for moving forward. Again, since we're saying everything in person is now how it functions online, it's no different in this situation. Just like in-person sexual encounters, consent should be an ongoing conversation when you're communicating digitally too. Although you aren't talking in person, you should always consider how your actions might make another person feel and ask questions if you don't know. A couple ways to practice digital consent are first and foremost, respecting the decisions of others. That should be rule number one, always for everything. It's never okay to coerce or pressure someone to send photos or record sexual acts. It's also just fucking gross. If someone says no, respect their choice and move on. Also, ask each time. Getting digital consent is important every time. Just like in real life, in the real world, the physical realm, if your partner agreed to something sexual before, 
they are not obligated to agree to do it again. Like I said, just like in real life. And for the love of God, please stop sending unsolicited dick pics. Rarely is a woman like, ooh, I got a dick pic. It's more like, oh, I got a dick pic. Thank you. Enough is a podcast centering on surviving abuse, harassment, and assault in the music scene. To help get the word out, please like and subscribe and share with your friends. If you have been on the receiving end of harm from someone, be it artist, venue owner, booking agent, audience member, or someone else, and would like to share your story on a future episode, please reach out to us at thisisenoughpodcast at gmail.com. All correspondences are kept confidential.